0: Over the last decade, a whole new type of fashion company has exploded on the scene. Brands built on VC dollars and massive Facebook ad budgets. Think Stitch Fix and Everlane. They all have their own unique message, whether it's convenience or being socially conscious. Or sometimes it's just that they have the right kind of cool. Today's founder thinks he can cut through the noise with an even newer trend, custom fit. Ray Lee's company sells clothing made to order just for you. But can he convince our investors that his technology is good enough for Scene Studio to have its own moment on the fashion startup runway? From Gimlet, this is The Pitch. I'm Josh Muccio. Let's meet today's investors.
1: I'm Elizabeth Yin.
0: Elizabeth is a managing partner at Hustle Fund, and so far she's invested 30 million in over 250 startups. One example, a company called NerdWallet. I'm Charles Hudson. Charles started Precursor Ventures, where he's invested 45 million in over hundred startups to date. I'm Sheil Manette. Sheil has sold three startups for over $50 million. Now he's an angel invested in several companies worth billions today. I'm David Goldberg. David is a general partner at Corrigin Ventures, where they've invested 38 million in over 50 companies so far.
2: I'm Maya Bittner.
0: Maya built two financial startups and sold them both. Now she's out looking for new startups for Sequoia, one of the biggest VC firms in the Valley. The Pitch for Scene Studio is coming up in just a moment. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We hear a lot of pitches on this show. I mean, no surprise there, it's the name of the podcast, but the entrepreneurs who come on this show They're pitching more than just a business idea. They're pitching their dream. Because when you run a small business, you're putting your whole self into it. State Farm gets that, and they work with small business owners across the country to help create personalized plans that are built for their small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hello. Morning. morning. I'm Ray. Ray. Flew in from L.A. last night.
2: Maya, Maya welcome.
3: nice to meet you. Shield. Ray
0: steps into the pitch room looking pretty fly by L.A. startup founder standards, a dark gray blazer, and he's repping his own brand, a pair of custom-fit jeans. So my name is Ray Lee, and I'm the founder and CEO of Scene.
3: But before I get into our strategy, our technology, our traction, and how we're already killing it, I want you to take a quiz. So underneath your seats, you're going to find iPads. Ooh. So why don't we pull those out?
4: We need to keep these, right?
3: If you open it, it should be questions yeah. on a screen.
4: All right, here oh, we go. God. First question mine, is, mine how tall are you? I won't answer that That's for the audience. Ooh, question for everyone here. What's my build?
2: Mm.
4: Pear, recta- rhomboid.
2: You're not
1: a pear. <laughs> my midsection. Well, two kids later, <laughs> it's a little <laughs> rough. My bra size. Did you guys get these questions?
0: I did, I did not. not. No. Mm.
4: Which is Good.
0: (laughs) A question that both men and women got is, let's talk about your tush. Which best describes your butt shape? Your options with pictures are normal seat, prominent seat, flat seat, and drop seat. I'm pretty sure that last one's a euphemism, not sure for what exactly. The company takes the answers to these questions and runs them through their special algorithm to get a custom fit. Now the quiz isn't just
3: concept. And our host, Josh Muccio, is here to prove it. So,
4: oh, very exciting. What's up, guys? Whoa. Wow. Thanks,
0: I've already taken the same quiz as the investors a few weeks back, and now I'm here to model Ray's FlexTech suit for the investors. I was a little nervous. i never walked a runway before. Looks good.
5: Yeah. yeah. Top button, top, top button, top button, top button, sir.
0: Okay. Ooh, how's the comfort level? Do looks, some jumping it looks jacks. comfortable, actually.
2: It does look comfortable. Yeah.
0: I thought the suit fit well—not perfect, like a tailored suit, but better than off the rack. So I'd probably send it back to the company for some slight alterations. It's an what we're looking at it is an athleisure suit. Yes. Then, after soaking up my moment in the spotlight, I stepped out to let Ray have it back.
3: So suits was our first product. Our strategy is really a flagship strategy where there's the lifestyle brand at the top scene, which is all about uh, fit, personalization. And then underneath that, we have a series of flagship products. So the FlexX suit was the first one. And then in October, we launched our Evergene, which is a custom gene made with um, premium stretch denim. For the last seven consecutive months, we've been growing at 60% month over month. We're at a 1.6 million run rate. And that's bootstrap to date. Cool. And we're here today to raise 725000 And that's the poor gasoline on the fire. Cool. Hmm.
6: When, when you say custom, um, I know there's a few different models there, yeah. right? It, do you have a certain number of iterations and its best fit? Or are you actually custom manufacturing?
3: So ours is actually truly custom. It's, it's bespoke down to the level of the reason you're getting the butt question is it's factored into the curvature of the waistband.
1: Well, it's actually pretty amazing that from that relatively short quiz that we did that really didn't have that, like I didn't have to measure anything Mm -hmm. that you're able to come up with something as custom as what Josh walked in with. How is that even possible? I would be actually kind of nervous as a consumer to fill that out, thinking, like, obviously, it's going to be slightly Mm -hmm. off when it comes back.
3: Now, what's interesting about a quiz is actually if we can overlay a bunch of different pieces of data together, we can actually get really close to what what you want. So if I know your height and your weight and your chest measurement, I can get to about 95% accuracy on the rest of your body measurements, right? Interesting. And then if we overlay more information, so if we start to matrix together your what you typically wear for jeans and you, what you typically wear for tops, we can get really, really close. Do you, do you allow returns or exchanges? So we have this thing called a 60-day guarantee, free alterations, remakes, exchanges, and returns. I think the most important indicator about whether people are happy is return rate. Because yep. typically in, in apparel, it's the worst return rate for both online and brick-and-mortar rights. It's, it's a little above 30%. Our return rate for online orders is sub-6%.
1: My husband and I have ordered custom clothes. And actually, the biggest surprise, at least for me personally, is that they are all pretty terrible at fit, like even though it's custom. And I think that is fundamentally a problem and why you then end up having to go to a store because the fit is not actually good enough. So I think this is where my top question is. And I think this is what I'm trying to get comfort around.
3: Yeah. So, Traditionally, the way it's done is custom clothiers, they're only capturing body measurements, but then the factories are interpreting the measurements to generate a fit. In our case, we're actually generating the technical pattern. We have three factories, and so it goes to them, that's laser cut, hand assembled, then it's shipped to us, right now we fulfill, and that's sent to the customer. So right now, the lead time is about two and a half weeks. And then we think within two years, we can get it down to about five to seven days from order to delivery. So that's the goal. The goal is you take a quiz anywhere in the world, and then in five to seven days, you get something that's totally custom to you
0: at no risk. So you
1: have no inventory.
0: We have no inventory. It works. He can make a suit out of a quiz and people will buy it. And with no inventory, that means Ray can scale up quickly without a lot of capital. They've been growing 60% over the last several months, and they're already profitable. But to get to the next level, the investors want to know, can Scene actually compete with some of the biggest brands in the biz?
2: So your customers today, where are they shopping for clothes before your product?
3: Yeah, so on the suit side, the, the FlexX suit, you know, they're shopping at Lululemon, Ministry of Supply, Rhone for some of the, in theory, um, some Bonobos. Yeah.
2: Is your price point about the same?
3: Our price point is less. So our custom suit, uh, the FlexX suit, is 595 and that comes with all the free alterations, remakes, exchanges, and returns. On the denim side, we originally thought we were going to price lower, but we found that the threshold to buy was actually higher than what we thought. So we're, we priced at $185. Uh, rag & Bone, um, Seven all Mankind, those are all 200 to $300 products.
6: So first of all, I, I want to congratulate you. I mean, to get to to completely bootstrapped, get a product to market, get to a seven-figure run rate. That's certainly praiseworthy. Um, To give a little bit more color, so before I came to the venture world, I Mm -hmm. built a company in men's accessories, and we partnered with over 20 different custom suit makers. Mm -hmm. And what we found is... A lot of great brands out there, but Mm -hmm. when you're talking about a product that's, I don't know, $500, $700, maybe even Mm $1,000, that little extra convenience Mm -hmm. of being able to fill out a survey in someone's home didn't overcome either the lack of trust or really the lack of quality when Mm -hmm. it came to fit. Mm -hmm. So when you look at companies like Bonobos, Indochine, Mm -hmm. Black Lapel, Mm -hmm. they wind up creating some form of brick and mortar, a uh, guide shop yeah. to really get that person a little bit more comfortable and over the edge. What are you doing differently or how do you think about scaling
3: and be able to maintain both that quality but with this fully distributed model? Traditionally, whether it's Indochino or one of these other custom shops, you can't return the product. The other thing is, most people don't shop that way. Most people wanna say, that looks awesome, get me that. Yeah. And if I just have to answer a few questions to get there, great. And you make the brand pretty sick, and the products have to be great. I, I think that's another thing is the products have to be distinctive and valuable, even if they were standard size. And then you delight them with the fact that it's much better than something off the rack that they bought.
6: Even with the custom mm-hmm. angle here, how yeah. do you compete against the consumer's desire to want everything today? Everyone's used to everything coming in 48 hours. What have you found in terms of overcoming that barrier yeah. with
3: customers? So I think there's... Uh, Ultimately, we do want to get to a point, and we think we can get there in about two years, where it can feel very similar to ordering anything else standard size online. Now, uh, in terms of how we compete, we've tended to focus flagship products in, at this stage on things where fit matters. So even for jeans, actually, especially for women, it's very hard to find that standard size.
1: Yeah, I've been looking for this for on the jeans side.
3: Awesome. And and I think people have spent years looking for the perfect gene, and some people still haven't found it. So the idea that, okay, I only have to wait two to three weeks to get something that's exactly what I want is super compelling.
0: Even though the investors are like, yeah, I get the problem. I need to find genes that actually fit. They aren't sure how Ray is going to build a massive company on that. Will the quiz really be enough to set them apart? That's after the break. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. As rewarding as it may be, small business owners have a lot riding on their shoulders. It's a lot of stress to own run and grow your small business not to mention finding someone who can give you the answers and support you need but state farm agents aren't just there to understand your small business needs they're there to prioritize them and help create personalized plans with your needs in mind like a good neighbor state farm is there talk to your local agent today Welcome back. Ray has made the case that he has a good company. It's even made some profit, but he hasn't made the case that it's a company worth investing in. Here's David. I'm still struggling with like the main value
6: proposition here around the smart fit technology. I feel like I've seen dozens of brands with these types of quizzes around fit. Um, I don't think there's anything novel enough in the underlying fit technology to build the whole base of the company around that. And I don't think that will scale to be a multi-hundred million dollar technology platform. I would actually consider going even heavier on brand and leveraging the smart fit technology as part of the convenience, as part of the match of the materials Mm -hmm. that you use and the certain customer base. And think about really diving into that brand and trying to build something that could easily be a hundred million dollar brand.
3: I would say that my background before this was doing um, sort of global rebrands for uh, consumer product companies and tech companies. So I, I think for us, we do feel like just within the products that we do ourselves is it's a hundred million dollar opportunity.
4: I'm so torn because at the stage that I invest, the thing I always say like the entrepreneur is what matters most, and I I really like you as a as a founder. Um, you've had like continually good answers to everything we threw at you. Um, I think I struggle with how big the opportunity could be. And then I think ultimately I'm struggling with, um, is this a brand or is this a like technology? And again, to David's point, I think like the brand is probably more interesting to me. Mm. And I think I'm going to
5: pass. Okay. So i think you're super impressive. And I've like been wrestling with this one. But I think ultimately, for me, it's a pass. Mostly because I think the market is huge, but it's really fragmented. And I keep coming back to myself and saying, gosh, like of the companies I've seen that are sort of of your ilk, what has it taken to get to a really large outcome? And it's gigantic product catalogs. And I think about Bonobos, Everlane, some of the companies I've seen that have achieved like pretty healthy run rates. Different model, but it just feels to me like the number of shots that you'll have to hit in a row to get to the size of company that makes sense for me, it's its uh, its a difficult lift. Thank you.
2: So I'm really, really interested in how your technology might shepherd in this revolution of, of custom clothing. And when I think about the brand, I'm sure there's an audience, I'm sure it's cool. I don't really invest in In fashion, kind of like CPG directly very much.
4: So are you saying you shouldn't do it because
0: that's not what you invest in? Or are you saying...
2: I'm saying it's hard to be venture scale. Okay.
0: Maya, Charles, and Sheil are out because they just don't see it as a massively scalable endeavor. Now, Elizabeth, however, has a different concern.
1: I think you should go after the brand opportunity because I think that's where the money is made. When you think about it, like the holy grail in the custom clothes space is to get basically a universal sizing data mm-hmm. set on people. Mm-hmm. And once you have that for all these individuals, you can pretty much sell them anything.
3: I, 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 I'm wondering if I communicated this in, incorrectly because the intent is to build the brand. Yeah. Um, I, I think the technology and the supply chain are competitive advantages to cut through the noise mm-hmm. yeah right and, and they're an enabler they're not the reason you know we
5: exist and i think i've never seen a company where those things are so tightly coupled like the technology powers the brand so i always tend to think of it as an either or not an and and like the way you just said it made me think oh maybe during the pitch i had the wrong conceptualization yeah, of the tension between the two because i was thinking oh if you're so great at supply chain like just like the supply chain, the I actually disagree.
6: I, I've seen this before. And I think to give context, we're investors in a company called The Inside, which is at the end of the day, they're a furniture brand, a custom furniture brand. Mm-hmm. They leverage supply chain advantages, but at the end of the day, they know they're a brand and everything yeah. built around it is a brand. And yeah. that's where I wanted to yeah, hear yeah, it double yeah. down. And yeah. I, I get also, you talk to investors who want, you know, multiple billions or or <laughs> yeah. bust, right. and Nobody likes brands anymore and or that licensing. changes by the month. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. I would just say like whatever... I'm not here to tell an entrepreneur which way they should run their business. I can say when it aligns with my vision or not. In this case, it doesn't. I would say go with whatever is authentic to you and go hard on it and double down on it.
3: I think a reason we talked about the tattoo is it is actually part of the brand narrative. So like when we talk about our mission, it's to empower people of all shapes and sizes to feel their best. And now we can use what we're doing to create something that's really special and beautiful and personal for people it's not like we have this secret tech platform thing here and then we have this shiny brand here it's like this is so i i hear you and just to push back and to make
6: you kind of think about the
3: pitch and the brand thank you
6: there's many attributes that go into a brand clearly fit and sizing is one of the integral ones for you Mm -hmm. i didn't hear any other layers. There was nothing really about the materials, which are actually unique, Mm -hmm. I think, to your business. Mm -hmm. There was really nothing about who your customer was, where they're maybe coming from. So if it really is about brand, you're gonna wanna peel that back a little bit more.
1: So here's where I'm landing on this. I would want to try out the product, like, for, you know, from soup to the nuts, give you guys some business, and would love to look at this, you know, as a potential investment in January.
3: I'm sure we can work something out. Let's, Our, let's, yeah. let's talk yeah. and yeah. figure something out. Uh, yeah,
5: meet,
4: meet, I'm in that boat, too. Yeah,
1: it's great. Thank
3: you.
5: Thank you
1: so
3: much. Thank you. Awesome. Good luck. Thanks, guys.
0: During the pitch, the investors unanimously told Ray to build his company around his brand rather than around the company technology. After the pitch, however, the investors zeroed in on how difficult it would be to actually succeed as a brand. They were like, hey, man, your already profitable company. Could one day become a really big brand? Oh, and one other thing, um, market forces are gonna make it close to impossible to become a really big brand. Good luck, brah. The word fragmentation was used
6: at one point, and you're just never going to be able to make everybody happy. Some people want that in-store experience, get measured by hand. Others want the technology of body scanning. Others want to just try on a bunch of stuff and see what works for them. And then the majority of people are actually happy with the standard sizing systems. Particularly My, for the
2: price point. They're happy enough.
4: Right. Yeah. For, for me, like I'm a like shorter guy. Um, I like never found clothes that fit. And then... When Uniqlo came to America, I was like, "Oh, yeah, this just fits me." You yeah. found your brand. and now literally everything I own is from Uniqlo. This pants, this shirt, like everything.
2: And I know a lot of people who buy most of their clothing from Everlane.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah same, same, same yeah. thing.
2: It's like they're like, you know, I just I like it. It works fits for in me. A very it fits. Way. Yep, it's like my style.
0: When we come back, we hear from Ray, who ended up striking out with our investors and every other venture capitalist he pitched and yet somehow scrounged up 500K anyway from a different kind of investor, real, working class, salt of the earth Americans. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. Your business is your life, and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community, so you're not just getting an insurance plan. You're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. I called Ray to follow up two months after he left the pitch room with a good old goose egg. Hey, how are you, Ray? Hey Josh, doing well. He told me that putting his company in the box of either tech or brand is to miss the point entirely, but he couldn't get that across to investors. And that's why the pitch failed. There was this funny moment, Josh, where,
3: where you know, I, I felt like I, I was giving you know, spot on answers for everything people were asking. And then it came to the time where everyone was done with questions. I thought I nailed it. Then they said, well, I don't know if you're a tech or a brand. And then they all started passing. Huh? It was sort of like, I thought we were at the end of, you know, like a road trip. And then they said, well, you know, at the beginning of the road trip, you didn't talk about your brand. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what?
0: Yeah. The one person in the room who seemed like they may have interest, that they wanted to like try out the clothes and and see how the whole process works and how it actually fit was Elizabeth. Did you follow up with her
3: afterwards? Yeah. We were raising her around um, through Seed Invest, which is a equity crowdfunding platform. And so there are certain dates we have to hold to from an SEC regulation standpoint. So we knew we had to be quick. So we emailed her immediately afterward. We sent her the paperwork in advance so she could see it. And then- The investing paperwork. Exactly. And then she came back and said, you know, unfortunately, there are certain terms in here that, you know, I already don't agree with. And also, uh, I don't have enough time for legal counsel to review this. So
0: unfortunately, this is going to be a pass. Oh, no. Now, because this is equity crowdfunding, part of the fundraise is for very small checks from unaccredited investors. In other words, regular people. Elizabeth didn't want to be regular. She normally writes checks for twenty-five k, but the agreement said that you have to invest at least fifty k in order to be an institutional investor and get access to company financials and other information. Elizabeth didn't care for that. And, and why did you set it up that way? It was
3: actually Seed Invest drafted all the legal paperwork for us, so we were using their boilerplate documents.
0: Well, that's a bummer.
3: Yeah. Yeah. We wish we could have had her, really liked her, but I was very happy that Sheil ended up investing.
0: Wait, wait, She Sheil invested? Yeah, Sheil invested. I, I didn't even think he was gonna follow up with you afterwards. Oh, Sheil and I had like an hour, hour and a
3: half call the next day. He really got what we were doing and then he wanted to go through the experience. We made a suit for him. He basically said, if this fits, I'm gonna invest. And then try on a suit. There were some issues with the fit and so he wanted to just talk through it to feel confident and then he invested like a very small amount through the crowdfunding platform how much did he invest he invested five thousand through the equity crowdfunding platform through seed invest yeah a little something there
0: yeah it was it was like oh that's nice you know yeah so how much did you raise in total and and what's the final tally yeah so we raised half a million
3: all the VCs passed and all the angels and customers came in. So oh, it's not like we didn't try to raise VC, yeah. And so I think we're just walking a path that is a little bit different. Like money's not the most valuable thing for us because we're fine with money. I think getting smart people to take dedicated time to look at our business, huge. And to know that Shield will be on board for a longer period of time, we're not really in it for the checks. We're in it for people who want, who want to spend time with us and give us their brains. So, yeah, 100% worth it.
0: Speaking of walking a different path, I called Ray a couple days ago to see how COVID 19 is affecting him. And first, he told me that he's holed up in his empty co working space in LA. But then he starts telling me about a conversation he had with their factory in China.
3: They were saying, hey, would you guys be interested in figuring out a way to manufacture and sell masks? And we said, no, well, we don't want to sell them, but we would love to find a way to, um, to work together to
0: manufacture and donate them. So this is like the on-demand custom clothing manufacturer reached out to you because they wanted to make medical masks. That's right. But how are you involved in actually making the masks? So we're paying for all the production because
3: you know we're in a good position financially. we're still able to like run our core business. But we also just felt like you know there's a responsibility um, almost an, a moral responsibility for
0: those who are in a good position to to help and just yeah. do our part. So then Ray sends out an email to all of his customers where he's like, we're going to manufacture and donate masks. Do you know of any medical professionals who need them? And the crazy thing is, this just went viral. We saw
3: this appear in all these random places on the internet and even like random neighborhoods on next door where they just screenshotted the email and shared it. So this just started as like, hey, let's just deploy some of our capital making masks. But now we have hundreds of inbound requests of just different hospitals where people are saying we desperately need masks we are you know some people are wearing plastic bags on their face doctors are doing this because they just don't have any supplies oh man technically you should be really wearing the n95 masks which are able to protect you much more Mm -hmm. safely these are the ones that have like the seal
0: around the outside that's
3: right that's right yeah but 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 given how short supplies are I mean, people don't even have these uh, the, the cloth masks, the FDA cloth masks that we, we're, we're um, you know we're donating. They they're like, please give us those because we're using scarves, or we're using uh, you know grocery bags, we're recycling mm-hmm. old masks, and this is from some of the biggest hospital systems. So it's just just crazy, not good.
0: Yeah, how many masks are you up to at, at this point?
3: Oh gosh, this it's like. I think it's over 500,000 requests, or like 500,000 masks that people need.
0: And how much have people donated? How many masks We're are probably like paid for? We're at 20 to 30,000 right now. So not even 10% of the way there. That's right.
3: As long as people are willing to be generous, we can make a huge dent in the gap in supplies.
0: If you are able to donate, or if you know any medical professionals in need of masks, you can look in the show notes for details for how to get in touch. Ray says that if enough people donate, their factory can make up to 100,000 masks per day. For their part, Scene will be putting 10% of their revenue for the foreseeable future into making more of those masks. Oh, and if you'd like to take a deep dive into the mask situation, to find out what's really going on, check out the episode Science Versus just put out called Coronavirus, Unmasking the Facts. <laughs> the pitch is hosted by me, Josh Muccio, Produced by Chris Neary and Heather Rogers. We are edited by Sarah Saracen. Theme music by The Musemaker. Original compositions from Breakmaster Cylinder, Peter Leonard, So Wiley, and The Musemaker. Maker. We're mixed by Enoch Kim. Lisa Muccio coordinated the recording of this pitch. And here's our disclaimer, no offer to invest is being made to or solicited from the listening audience on today's show. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with a new episode in one week on Wednesday. See you then. This episode of The Pitch was brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you've been listening to our show for a while, you can tell every business owner has a unique set of problems to solve. That's why small business owners want someone to not only understand, but prioritize their needs. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know how to help you choose personalized plans to fit your needs and budget. They get it, plain and simple. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.